Next on ReachMD, Voices from American Medicine, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice in the front lines of healthcare. Now here is the host of Voices from American Medicine, Gary Epstein. Joining me on Voices from American Medicine is a doctor who started his medical career in nursing and then went on to become a physician, MD, ultimately specializing in cardiology. How did this path shape his current approach to the practice of medicine? Let's talk to Dr. John Foley, a practicing cardiologist from Norwich, Connecticut, and a clinical instructor at Medicine at Yale. Dr. Foley, welcome to Voices from American Medicine. Thank you very much. It's great being with you. It's great to have you. You know, before we dig too deeply into your background, I'd love to have you just tell us a little bit about your practice currently and the kind of community you're practicing in. I really consider myself one of the luckiest people around because I have a great blend of private practice, you know, community cardiology, and then you know, I spend one day a week at Yale New Haven. So, you know, four days of the five, I'm in Norwich, Connecticut. It's a very blue-collar, hardworking, great community. Uh, patients are wonderful, very appreciative, you know, of everything that you do for them. I live, you know, minutes from the water in Waterford, Connecticut, so I have a, you know, great life there. I'm married, have three kids. So, you know, great life, and then I spend a day of the week down in New Haven where I do heart failure and transplant cardiology and, you know, really get to work with the residents and the students and, uh, you know, see a, a sicker both inpatient and outpatient group of patients. So I really feel blessed because I get a little of both without having to be totally immersed in one or the other. That sounds terrific. I know you started your healthcare career in the sort of nursing arena, but tell us first a little bit about what inspired interest and career in healthcare and then how that transition took place from nursing to becoming an MD. It's funny. It's two things. One, my mother was a nurse, so I grew up, although she never practiced, she was a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, many of her friends were nurses, so I was surrounded even when I was a little kid, you know, with people in healthcare. And from the time I was six or seven, I always said I wanted to be a doctor. Later in life, she had cancer and she was sick and had a lot of exposure to the healthcare community at, you know, many levels. And I was just so impressed with the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare that she got. And that really drove me to, you know, take the interest that I had when I was a kid and try to make it happen. And then you elected to become a specialist in cardiology. Tell us a little bit about that specialty and why cardiology. Initially, when I was getting out of medical school, I had the experience I think a lot of people do where it wasn't the most positive experience in internal medicine that you get when you're a medical student. So I had originally matched. uh, I was supposed to go to the University of Pennsylvania for anesthesia. And I had made an agreement with my wife, who was then my fiance, that I would do my year of internal medicine at UMass and then I would go off to Pennsylvania and become an anesthesiologist. So, uh, and that was our agreement because she was living in Massachusetts at the time. So I went and uh, lo and behold, I loved internal medicine, which I was not expecting to do and decided that instead of going into anesthesia, I really wanted to focus on, you know, patients, you hate to say it, but who are awake and deal with them more chronically. And so, you know, I liked medicine, but I loved physiology and cardiology was the perfect fit. It was the blend between, you know, taking care of patients' medical problems, but also the anatomy, the physiology, that really was what I think drove me towards the anesthesia. I like, you know, the physiology of why things work and why they don't. And so, you know, cardiology really was the natural choice. And you said earlier that mom was the inspiration, if you will, a bit in terms of getting into healthcare and her nursing background. Talk about what you learned as a registered nurse that's helped shape your current role as a physician. You know, I learned early on, and one of the things that shaped some of my attitudes later is that, you know, nurses and physicians do very different jobs. And that's an important thing. You know, the nurse is really with the patient, has the opportunity. When I went in for eight hours, I was there at the bedside, very hands-on, very direct patient care, very direct with the family. You have that opportunity 
and really it is your job to really interact with them on a very personal human touch level. And uh, you can make a huge, significant impact on someone's health care as a nurse. Doctors, we're there necessarily a lot less. Our decision-making sort of drives often the plan of care, but it's the nurse really at the bedside that takes the plan and, and sort of makes it happen. So there is really, I learned then that, you know, the hospitals work because there's so many different people doing so many different things. We all can't do the same thing, and that's how it works and, you know, the different levels of expertise. And I also learned something that, which I didn't realize going into it quite as much is that, you know, nursing in and of itself is such a science that there is really, there's a lot behind the healing touch. So it's not just going and giving back rubs. It's a lot of assessment. It's understanding physiology, and it is very important work. But being a nurse really sort of showed me, you know, what the different people do in the healthcare system, how we interact, what are some of the overlap, but where are the differences, and how it all sort of comes together to make the patients better. And I would gather that healing touch that you talk about is obviously still an important part of your practice as a cardiologist. Absolutely. And when you spend eight or ten hours a shift with patients, you're either going to be really good at it or not. And I think I was very good with patients and very good with families, and I loved that contact. So I think I spend a lot of time as a physician, as much as humanly possible, with patients. And that's where I derive my benefit. You know, the days that are the most frustrating to me in medicine are the days where I'm spent you know, doing administrative things and paperwork and dictating charts. But when you're in the exam room or you're at the bedside, that's the fun. Or you're working with a student and you're teaching them. You know, it's the one-on-one. And I think that's the nurse in me of sorts, that desire to sort of spend time and talking to people and trying to make them feel better, both physically and mentally. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Gary Epstein, and joining me today from Norwich, Connecticut, is cardiologist Dr. John Foley. I'm really interested in talking a little bit further about this difference between uh, nursing and nurse practitioner students and the whole notion of being a physician. Obviously something controversial at times. What's your feeling in general about the way that that is often approached in organized medicine? It's a relationship that is sometimes very poorly understood, and because it's poorly understood on both sides, both the nursing side and the physician side, we don't get the maximum out of the relationship. Uh, In my particular practice uh, where I do heart failure, nurses, both as extenders and nurse practitioners, are critical to the care of the patient. Really, you know, all the studies show that heart failure programs that are nurse-driven work better, but there has to be a physician champion. There has to be, you know, somebody from the physician side. I'm often called upon on a state level to address the issues of expansion of practice, which sometimes at face value makes me not very popular among perhaps some of the nursing leadership because I think that they view it as medicine versus nursing or medicine against nursing, and it couldn't be further from the truth. When I was a resident, I had the opportunity at UMass to start an inpatient rotation, clinical rotation for nurse practitioner students so that they would rotate through this inpatient course. We developed a curriculum to teach the nurse practitioner students you know, medicine and patient assessment. I'm very, very familiar both as a registered nurse because I was myself and also someone who taught nurse practitioners, you know, what they know, what they don't know, what their backgrounds are, what the strengths are, what their weaknesses are. I mean, everyone has them. Physicians have their strengths and weaknesses as well. But physicians and nurse practitioners are different. Nurse practitioners certainly can be very independent, you know, really know a lot of medical science, but they're not doctors. They did not go to medical school and they have not had the residency. So there are times where I think politically folks in nursing leadership push, I think, their members to perhaps a level of practice where 
even some of the nurse practitioners themselves aren't comfortable being in being totally independent. So, you know, there are times where I speak on behalf of the medical society on issues of independent practice and pushing sort of that envelope so that nurse practitioners really are functioning completely independent from any sort of interaction with doctors. I'm often called to sort of say, no, that's not a great idea. And while I'm a huge supporter of nurses, I'm still very proud of my RN degree and and everything I accomplished as a nurse. I do think that there's a limit at which point collaboration is critical and independent practice is not a great idea. So that sometimes becomes sort of one of those bones of contention where, you know, I sort of lose some of the nursing leaders. But, you know, that's where, you know, I sort of fall back on, you know, nurses are not doctors. Doctors are not nurses. There is a difference. And I can imagine that the impact that the evolving healthcare system out there today is having on the future of advanced practice nursing is at the heart of some of this discussion or controversy, if you will. Do you support the notion of these sort of minute clinic, take care clinic concepts where they're largely staffed by nursing, PAs, NPs? It really depends on the system that they exist in. We've seen, you know, uh, sort of clinics popping up places where there's such independent practice and such poor communication between what goes on in these walk-in clinics and what happens with that information being communicated to primary care physicians or where patients opt not to even see primary care providers and doctors because they can get care so quickly at these centers. There isn't that sort of longitudinal sort of historical perspective, which is so important for patients to sort of be with a provider, with a physician who follows them over a period of time. So I think that these clinics serve a purpose and it's an important purpose, but it has to function within the whole system when you have like school-based clinics that pop up. That's great, but is it pulling kids away from going to the pediatrician? Is there a communication that's now being lost You know, you give a prescription at four in the afternoon, but now that clinic is closed and who's on call that night and what type of communication has taken place. And so I think that as we try to enroll more people in health systems and we get more people covered, we're going to have a crisis for coverage. But I don't think that the way to solve that necessarily is to take people who shouldn't be independently practicing and saying, okay, well, we need you. There you go. It's to build a system with those providers, utilizing them to their absolute fullest capacity to provide care, but not sacrificing quality in the guise of coverage. And that, I think, is a very fine line. And I think that we can use nurse practitioners and PAs and physician extenders to their limit, but there is, I think, still a limit. And that's the thing that could easily get lost in a desperate attempt to just cover everyone quickly. If you were speaking to a large group of young people today considering various careers, do you recommend people consider a career in medicine in in this environment today? Um, you know, I have to force myself always to try to remain optimistic. And I think the days that I'm most optimistic are the days that I get to spend mostly with patients. When I'm doing a lot of politicking, I get very discouraged. But I have to sort of step back and say that medicine, when I went into it, is different than it is today. And I think that, like anything, I would tell a young person with eyes open, look at the pluses and the minuses. Taking care of someone, making someone feel better is the coolest job in the planet. There's nothing I can imagine doing that's more exciting than actually trying to take care of someone and making them feel better. But there's a cost to it. And there are a lot more hassles in medicine today and a lot more disappointments to me today in medicine than there were before. Would I do it again? Probably. But I'm less excited about it, and that makes me sad. I think that people in schools now, as long as they're in there for the right reasons, they know what their lives are going to be like. It's not going to be what it was 10 or 12 years ago. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just different. So I would just say, you know what, open your eyes. If if taking care of patients and helping them in science 
is something you think is cool, then this is the job. This is still a great job. Do you have any stories or experiences that really kind of you use as a reminder, an inspirational reminder, if you will, of all the things that you like about medicine today, as you were just talking about? I mean, any interaction with a patient or a patient's family or... One of the great inspirational stories that I remember is actually from my training, if I can indulge you, but I remember being in medical school. I was a third-year student at the time, and I was just so discouraged by how things were going in the competitive environment, and I was struggling with biochemistry, and I was really just sort of down on everything, and had some really you know, sort of bad experiences over a period of a couple of weeks, and I had just gotten so totally discouraged. I remember I was in Albany, and I decided, that's it, I'm quitting school, I can't take this anymore, these people are ridiculous, and so I walked from Albany back to my apartment, which is, you know, not that far a walk, and I got home, and I got up on my stoop, and I realized I had left my keys back at the school. It was one of those sort of days where nothing could potentially go right, and I just remember bursting into tears, saying, this is horrible, I can't wait to get out of here. So on my way back, I stopped in at McDonald's, I shouldn't say that, and had something to eat, and I was sitting there, and I was just sort of in my own little pity world, and feeling terrible, and there was this little kid, this little girl, She's probably seven years old, and she kept sort of wanting to engage me, and I was just really not even paying attention until finally I heard the mother say, "Leave, you know, leave the man alone. He's, you know, he wants to be by himself." And I looked up, and there was a little girl with very little hair, obviously undergoing chemotherapy. So I was just sort of struck. So I began to talk to the mother, and the mother related to me that her daughter had just gotten chemotherapy. This was their ritual, and she asked, you know, if I was, you know, where I went to school, and I told her I was a medical student. And I'll never forget as long as I live, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, I pray for you and for people like you every day that you just keep at it and maybe someday you'll find a cure for my child's cancer or somebody else's cancer. And even relating the story now, and I remember the story all the time, it was that's the reason, that's the purpose. I mean, getting back to what you had said before, like would you tell people to go into it? That's why I'm a doctor for that reason. And when I sort of get down in the dumps about, you know, the money and the insurance and the lawsuits and the whatever, I remember the girl and probably the countless of other people that I've interacted with because that's the real reason why I do this. And so I sort of can snap myself out of it usually. And so and I'll, I'll never forget that girl. And, you know, not a week goes by in you know, 12 years that I haven't thought about that experience. That's the difference as I've met physicians across the country between medicine being a calling and not a career. I would like to thank my guest, Dr. John Foley, a cardiologist in practice in Norwich, Connecticut. I'd also like to thank the Connecticut State Medical Society for nominating Dr. Foley to be interviewed. Dr. Foley, thanks again for being a guest on Voices from American Medicine. Oh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice on the front lines of healthcare. Voices from American Medicine is hosted by Gary Epstein.